Welcome to the Maniverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin, session number two. Hey everybody, I'm your host Tom Traplin, and today we're talking with Dan Hoffman of Canton Games from Baltimore, Maryland. We talk about why player experience is one of the most important reasons customers will come into your shop. It's a broad concept, but most gamers know of a store or two where the person behind the counter ignores them, the game tables are littered with debris from the night before, the bathroom might be a mess, and the general impression is that of a smelly dungeon. You don't want to be that business. Your store should be a place where customers want to come and spend their time and money at and be happy to do so. You sell an experience as well as creating a safe place for gamers to be themselves and to do what they love. So with all that in mind, I want to introduce you to Dan Hoffman. So what was your life like before you started the business and why did you get into it? All right, well, uh, at the time I was working at a direct TV. I was the guy who writes routers for the technicians um, and, you know, if your tech ever showed up, you know, four hours late, it was probably my fault. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was a, uh, it was a pretty lousy job, and I went to a game convention and I bumped into one of the vendors there, which was actually Canton Games. Mm-hmm. I just made friends, uh, made friends with him, and he offered me part-time work at the shop. I told him, you know, I'm kind of busy right now, and I, I don't think I'm going to be able to handle that, so I turned him down. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, two three days later, I'm sitting, I'm sitting at my job. I'm like, what was I thinking? And I called him up and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll come, I'll come, I'll work part time, yeah, I'll do whatever. And <clears throat> it was just, it just grew. And the longer I worked there, you know, the more responsibilities he gave me. I made assistant manager in a couple months. And before too long, you know, the original owner, he had, uh, you know, he ended up having a couple kids, gave, uh, you know, didn't have time to run the business anymore. So he made me a very nice offer and I took it. That sounds pretty nice. It was, it's a good time. What's the size of the business? If you could give it a, a general idea, like what does it, uh, well, how large is the location? How much? We're, we're a small size business. You're, you know, most people's houses are probably bigger than my shop. Um, but the back gaming room, to put it in terms of people, I can comfortably sit about 20 people playing games in the back. 24 can cram in, but 20 is, 20 is a good number. And, as, imagine that much space for people. I've got about the same space up, up front, where it's all just product for sale. Okay. So, Very in terms of square feet, I can't really give an answer. I'm not entirely certain, but yeah, I'm just trying to get an idea as compared to you know other game stores, perhaps. But uh, yep. Okay. We, we are definitely a small shop. Um, we carry mostly board games, Magic, a couple comic books in the back. Okay. But it's a. Uh, is how important would you say the uh, play space is? Like the fact that you're using oh. half or so of your space just for seating? It's absolutely vital. You know, it's. I, I tell people that magic is what keeps the doors open. Uh, getting people in and being able to play every day or every week or every whenever. Um, you know, that just having a location to play your games is one of the main things that separates a business from the internet. Mm. You know, that. Everybody knows you can go on Amazon and you can buy, you know, you can buy your booster boxes and you can buy your, mat, you know, your board games much cheaper. But what you can't do is sit down and play a game on Amazon. 
You know, you can't. Yeah, that's for sure. You can't talk to an employee who knows who knows the business on Amazon. You know, it's just go there and buy it cheap, and that's why it's cheap. Is because they cut out you know all the frills and all the uh, <clears throat> you know all the personal interaction. Yeah, that's, you're not going to get the same level of enthusiasm too from uh, Amazon, right? They don't really exactly. care what you buy. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's really what we sell as a game store is the interaction between the shopkeep and the customer. Yeah, the experience. Um, yeah, the experience, exactly. So let's move on to uh, something that uh, set you back or a failure that your business, something that was uh, very difficult for your business to deal with and then how you got past it. We had um, we had another shop open up. And I'm not, I'm not going to give out the name of it because I don't want to uh, you know, drag anyone through the mud here. Yeah. But they they really opened up with the intention of running us out of business. And they de- they declared themselves to be the best geek shop in Baltimore and, you know, this and that. And they started holding gaming events. Mm-hmm. Um, when they had actually opened, they were going to just be a comic book store. And me and the original owner at the time went over there and said, you know, we tried to make them a deal. And we're like, hey, we'll completely get out of comic books for you. And we'll send you 100% of our comic book customers mm-hmm. as long as you guys, you know, don't, don't go into the board game niche. Hmm. And the owner essentially told us to go fuck ourselves. Nice. Uh, uh, short, long story short, about two years later, they went out of business because they just didn't give the right impression. You know, when you walked into that shop as a customer, there's a guy watching cartoons and he may or may not even turn around to acknowledge you walked in the store. Um, the whole place was just dank and it felt like a dungeon. And it just... so. Th- the main reason or the main way we got away or got around them is just by being a better experience and being a better place for people to come in and spend their time and spend their money. So people enjoyed coming to us and they kept coming to us. And then, you know, the guys who weren't as friendly and fun went out. Yeah. Perfect. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And yeah, I, I hear that same, same variation of that story on every retailer forum I'm on is there's a new guy opened up. And they're, you know, they're doing this and they're doing that. And you know, they're offering free Friday night magic drafts where they're giving away four boxes worth of product. Mm-hmm. And invariably, those stores will just go out of business pretty quick. Well, usually if they're throwing out that much, that yep. much in prizes, they're probably losing money every single day. So uh-huh. a lot to, of just some places are you. okay being a loss leader and like just throwing money at their customers to bribe them to come in. And hoping that while they're in the store, they're also going to spend money elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, my philosophy is that the customer that only wants the absolute greatest deal is going to come in, take advantage of your you know free Friday night magic, and then when he wants to buy a booster box, he's going to buy it online from Amazon because that's the absolute greatest deal. Yeah, man, especially magic players. Pretty thif- thrifty bunch we are. <laughs> I guess we'll move on. So we talked about something that may have been a problem for your business, but turned out not to be too de- too bad. So what, yeah, uh, how about a big win? What's something that uh, you're really proud of? I'll put this in terms of, uh, you know, the thing that makes me the most proud is when somebody comes in to the shop and they just, they fall in love with the place. Mm. Um, I've got, I'm going to call him my favorite customer. His name is Josh. He's a kid, probably 10 years old. And he just, he gets so excited every time he comes in. And, you know, he plays in booster drafts and 
you know, he's 10 years old, so I don't think he's ever won, but he opens up any rare and he's just excited about it. And he goes and he shares that enthusiasm with everybody. And it's just, it's a joy every time he's around. And yeah, I remember and, those days. Yep. And that's the, uh, that's the fun, you know, that's, that, that's how I know I'm in the right business. When I see a kid like that, just come in and be, just be absolutely thrilled to be here. No, I get that. That's, I used to play with a, uh, he, well, when I went to go to a uh, store in my city called uh, Phoenix Games, there mm-hmm. were a few younger younger kids, probably about the same age, 10 to 12. And yeah, they were the same level of enthusiasm. Everything was great. It was just, they were happy, they'd win or lose, they were happy to be there. And it was yes. really nice to play with. So that's a good sign your business is doing something right. So uh, what does your typical day look, look like? Like if you, <laughs> your work day, if you were to go and open the store? They, my day as the owner usually starts way before the store opens up. Mm-hmm. Um, I go and I do a pickup pretty much every day. I go to what our main game distributor and I, you know, walk around there, talk to talk to my sales rep, and pick up the stuff that I ordered. Bring that into the shop. You know, open up, turn the lights on, count the cash drawer. Then most most of my morning is just spent bringing in those boxes, checking in the new product, you know, pricing it all, putting it up all on the shelf. Doing a lot of the, uh, you know, the work, work. Mm-hmm. You know, helping customers whenever they come in. Of course, running events at night. Um, if I'm not in the shop, then my day usually consists of doing paperwork. <laughs> There's, I, I had no idea when I when I took over as owner, how much of my time was going to be spent just filling out forms and faxing them in, and you know, tax this and. Uh, you know, government license that, and it's mm-hmm. it's a lot. Yeah, the the fun part, right? Hand. That's the yeah. fun part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so is I like this... working in the shop a lot more than I like owning it. I'll put it that way. Yeah, that's fair. So I guess that uh, just as a kind of philosophical point, mm-hmm. the whole thing is still worth it. Absolutely. You know, it's. That, that's the question I ask myself pretty much every day when I go in. Um, you know, I, I can tell you perfectly honestly, you're never going to become rich owning a game store. You don't do it because, you know, you want a million dollars. You do it because you love the hobby and you love the people and you want to interact with human beings and make a positive influence. You know, I, I make enough money at this store that the lights are on and I can pay my employees and I can, uh, you know, keep my house over here. But, yeah, I'll tell people I'm not retiring anytime soon. Well, why would you want to? Right. You got the greatest job in the world. I think so. Minus the paperwork. I'd rather be happy than rich any day. Exactly. That's a that's a good line, actually. So uh, what excites you about working in the game business that we haven't already gone over? Well, me personally, I'm a big board gamer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being owning a game store gives me a lot of inside information. Um, I get to find out a lot of about a lot of really cool games that are coming out before they actually hit. Um, our big, our biggest seller in the last week has been a game Machi Koro. It's you know adorable little Japanese dice rolling game. <clears throat> I got to play that over a year ago at a convention, hmm. and it's you know just knowing what's going to be hot and what's going to be fun way ahead of time. You know, every now and then I get to share that with people, and it's just that's a little added bonus. Cool. I can see why that would be a, 
a very nice thing to have to be able to yeah. get that inside edge and see what's going on before everyone else will. That's yeah, that's one big bonus. And the other one is, you know, after the work is done, I get to play games at my job. You know, once mm-hmm. once all the boxes are done and the stores neat and you know, my pay- stack of paperwork is reduced a bit. If somebody comes in, they want to play a game of Commander, I can sit down and I can do that. I can have a good time at my job. Yeah, it's actually beneficial to your job. It's not just a, oh, I'm killing some time or I'm actively avoiding work. It's, no, this is your business. Oh, yeah. Creating that customer interaction, that'll create a loyal customer for life. Yep. Sitting down and playing games with customers, um, that's got me almost every good review I've got online. Mm -hmm. Almost every one of them is from somebody who came in the store and sat down and played a game with me because that's, that's what puts the experience in the customer's mind. And it's not just a place I can go and buy a game. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. We've got, you know, I have people who have come back and they make it a point to stop in my store because they know I'll be there and they know, you know, they'll be able to sit down and play a game with me. Having, having repeat customers from overseas. That's an awesome feeling. If somebody wanted to open their own game store, which is, kind of the idea of this whole podcast thing if uh somebody if a magic player or a board gamer like yourself had the idea that maybe they wanted to try their hand at opening a store maybe not necessarily to compete with you but what would you like if one of your customers said i "I really like what you're doing fairly often at the store actually is how do i own a game store Mm -hmm. and the biggest advice i can give people is don't do it you know (laughs) if you're if if you want to make money at your job you know, work for the other guy. Uh, you're, I, that's the first thing I tell absolutely everybody is you're not going to make money owning a game store. Do it so, for the right reasons. Right. Now, if you love it and you're determined and you want to make a good shop, all right, the next big advice I can give you is that you have to remember that this store is a business. Yeah, I've, I've talked a couple times that, you know, I, I love sitting down and playing games with customers to, you know, just enhance their experience. Mm-hmm. But, you have to remember that it's about them and not about you want to open a game store so you can play magic all day. Mm-hmm. Every decision you make and everything you do in the store has to revolve around the big question, will this make me money? And if you're not entirely focused on actually making money, your stores, you know, you can have the coolest store with the most, you know, with the best prizes and the most open game space. But if you're not making the money, you're going to go out of business. Yeah. It's and not going to matter. Yeah. It's a lot of money that you have to go through. You know, without, without getting into two specifics, yeah. um, you know, you're going to have, you're going to go through probably a hundred thousand dollars worth of product every year. And that's, that's not how much money you're making. That sounds like mm. a really big number. It's yeah. That's revenue. That's just, yeah, that's, that's money before you. But you know, you know, more than half of that is going to go towards your product. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got to pay your rent every month. You got to pay the power bill. You got to pay. You know, you will be amazed how many things pop up that you will need to pay for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we've got you know employees. Um, I had to set up a new camera system the other day, and everything is just you know money out, money out, money out, and you know. If you make $100,000 in sales, that sounds like a really awesome number, but it goes away so fast. So just it's also still something you can't be proud of. That's that is like that is a big number. 
even just standalone, that's a lot of product that you move. That, even that's if it's not all number. going directly into your pocket per se, right? Right. That that's a big number compared to like buying a pizza. But <laughs> I know there's other game stores out there that are sitting that are listening in on this and they're chuckling and they're like, hundred thousand, I do five times that and I can't make any money. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's uh the margins are thin, right? It's not Yep. The markups aren't huge and you well, I don't think the industry will sustain it if it were right. customers wouldn't handle that. But uh, they can also tell you, you know, right now we sell all of our games at retail price. You know, we don't mark anything down. Mm-hmm. When I, the old owner, Brian, had a standing 10% discount on everything. Mm-hmm. That little 10% is the difference between him, make, him making enough money to keep the store substantial and, you know, and going out of business. And scraping that edge where you can't pay for your rent. Yeah, Brian used to tell me that uh, the store made money until he hired me and had to pay me. <laughs> and that's where that 10% went. Is you know, That little $5 you're losing every time somebody sells or buys a copy of Ticket to Ride, mm-hmm. that $5 is paying the employee that is selling that copy of Ticket to Ride. Mm-hmm. I'll just tell you the story. There's, there's another gaming sure. store out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to mention them by name. But sure. any retailer that's listening in knows who I'm talking about. Hmm. They mark all their products down to like forty percent off retail. And okay. There's no possible way that's a sustainable business model. You know they they brag on our forums all the time that you know they get the biggest turnout and they sell so many copies of you know they sell so many copies of uh, Settlers of Catan per day and so forth. But let, let me let me run a math real quick. Yeah, if you're selling a copy of Ticket to Ride at forty percent off, mm-hmm. um. I make the same amount of money selling one as you're making selling six of them. So, you know, the deep discounts, it sounds cool and it sounds like you're getting more people in your door, but you're really, you know, more people does not equate to making more money. Yeah. Especially at that rate, they need more than six times, right? (laughs) Yeah. Just even, even out with what you're doing. That's six times just to break even. And at that point, you know, You've invested one hundred and fifty dollars in t- copies of Ticket to Ride in order to make thirty. Yeah, what's the point? Yeah, and you're also probably working pretty hard to move those things. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're working. Your employees are working, and you know you're paying them to do it. You might as well pay them to uh, you know make significantly more money. Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the internet exists, and they can be so cheap because you know, they don't have to pay for overhead. They don't have to pay for power bill they don't have to pay for storage uh they don't have to pay for you know every time a magic player breaks a chair they don't have to buy a new one mm-hmm. yeah that's a surprisingly common problem yep and it's yeah, you know, it's one of the perils of uh, having a physical place to play you know you need lots of chairs yeah that's an interesting argument for actually having a like a dual presence having an actual brick and mortar retail store as well as the online because then you can kind of dip into both right you can the the big problem, and that that's something the old the old owner dabbled in. Mm. Was if you're having an on if you have an online presence, and let's say you're selling your games at thirty percent off to compete with the internet, yeah. If your local customers find out about that, they're not going to pay you full retail when they know that they could buy it from you for you know at the deep discount. Yeah. So it it actually creates the opposite of goodwill. The 
the the difference are, is stuff like Cool Stuff Inc. and mm-hmm. the places that are so huge they can get away with that. But as a small business, nah, yeah, better. Those are buying a thousand copies of a single game to get that real big bulk discount. Yeah, Machi Koro is, uh, you know, I've moved more copies of that than anything uh, in the last couple weeks. But that was, you know, 20. Mm. And that's nowhere near, you know, Cool Stuff Think probably does, uh, you know, 2,000 copies of the same game. So chipping hundreds a day, probably. Yep. Over the course of a day, what do you use? Like, what are the tools that you use for your business? Not just, like, uh, software and things (laughs) like that, but uh, also websites and things like Twitter, like how how important is uh, the whole social networking thing to Canton Games? It's pretty much replaced my website. You know, I have a website, cantongames.com, mm-hmm. but if you want to find out when the new events are or, you know, what's going on today, you check the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. It's way more up to date. It's way uh, it's way easier for me to for me to keep it up. And it's set up so that when I make a post on Facebook, it automatically tweets. Sends out sends out a tweet to everybody who follows. So that that makes my life a lot easier, and that's a much better way to advertise. Because the people who like my store on Facebook, you know, they will they will see all of these posts, and it'll go directly to my customers. When I say, "Hey, new hot new game just came in," everybody finds this out and then comes in the shop, as opposed to they only look at the website if they go to CantonGames.com. Yeah, you're going to get a lot more reach through Facebook than people who are directly visiting your site. Yep. The The goal of the website is to get somebody in the door. The goal of Facebook is to get somebody in the door again. Mm-hmm. Other, so do you, other uh, piece, do you uh, actively, like, when customers come into your store, do you tell them to like follow you on Twitter and Facebook, or is that just yep. sort of a natural process? Follow us on Facebook. I, I try not to, like, beg for likes, mm. but I do let everybody know that you know, most of our events are going to be posted up on our Facebook page, so go check that out. We do you uh, boost your posts on Facebook? I don't usually. Um, Facebook kind of has a, a funky algorithm as to uh, <coughs> you know as to when you pay them for advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do it anywhere near as often as I should, mainly just because I, I want to know where it's being boosted to. Yeah. Um, some places, you know, they, they're called like, like farms and you'll find some places have 2000 likes from India and, you know, and China and places that are obvious people who have obviously never come into your shop and they've just created an account so they can like everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the click farms like that. And those, when you go and pay for advertising, it's going to be boosted to their friends. So it's yeah, not very helpful. Yeah. So it, it depends. If you've got real people who like your Facebook page, it can be helpful because it's going to be boosted off to their friends. And generally, somebody who likes a game store, their friends are also going to like game stores. Yeah, usually. Usually, You, you yes. tend to travel in packs. Yep. Yeah, the, uh, the experience that I've had with Facebook personally is uh, a little odd now since they've changed a few things. <laughs> but uh, the fact that Say if you post a status update from your fan page or anything, that only roughly five to ten percent of the people who like your page will actually see it. Just naturally speaking, unless it also gets liked heavily, and then it'll start getting pushed to everyone else. Yep. So the fact that 
there's only a five to ten percent kind of exposure for everything you may or you may put up on Facebook, unless you pay them. Is it? <laughs> you know. Yeah, it feels like extortion, doesn't it? <sighs> Lately. Speaking of extortion, stay away from Yelp. <laughs> there's Yelp will actually delete good reviews if you don't pay them. Really? And last time I spoke to a Yelp rep on the phone, they told me that if I didn't sign up for their service, they would advertise me on my competitors on my competitors' web pages or their Yelp pages. Wow. Or, or I'm sorry, I'd the say reverse. That they would advertise them on mine, and. They do, and you know, whatever. That's uh, that's interesting. That's very interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, they're uh, don't ever pay for Yelp, and don't ever pay for something like Groupon, because they'll make it sound like a great deal, but it'll uh, it will hurt you pretty bad. <laughs> not worth a discount. Yep. Not worth the publicity, I guess. Groupon, for example, that's one where, uh, where you know, in order to sign up for Groupon, you have to offer an amazing deal, and they'll say, you know, here, spend twenty five dollars and get a fifty dollar coupon redeemable yeah. at Gen Games, you know, and out of that twenty five dollars, you get a little chunk of it. Okay, I'm sorry, you, you get you get about twenty dollars out of the twenty five dollars that they spend, but then they come in and they're spending fifty dollars at your shop. On wow. something that you most likely spent, you know, twenty five thirty on. Yeah, so unless your unless your margin is monstrous, yep, there's almost which, no way you're just going to lose tons of money doing this. You're definitely going to lose money on it. And the way that Groupon's going to sell it is, well, now you've got a customer, mm-hmm. but you don't. What you have is somebody who is trained to wait for the discount, and they're not going to come back into your shop until the next time they can get some amazing half off deal. And that's that's not what you want in your shop is the guy who's only going to spend, you know, very little money. Yeah, no. Even, no. That's not the ideal customer. Yeah. Yeah, you want you want the guys who are gonna come in and they're happy to support the local game store. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want the sale mentality. Yep. That's the same thing we were talking about earlier with the guy who wants who only wants to play in the tournament with the best turnout or best prize payout. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't want to actually buy any cards from you, right? You know, he's not going to actually. That's not going to be the guy who drops a hundred dollars on a box on a booster box. Or if he does, you know, he's going to try to whittle you down and get you to price match, uh, price match Amazon or price match mm-hmm. a Star City or something. Yeah, that's a something that I've always found was interesting with Magic players that. Uh, there's a weird split between the like casual, semi-competitive people who come in an yep. FNM and they're happy to go in through your case and check out some of your cards or buy some booster packs. And it's really like if they buy booster packs, they're the ones you want. That's actually a, something I wanted to mention. Um, the casual Magic player is going to spend 10 times more money in your store than the professional Magic player. The guy who comes in and he's got binders full of Force of Wills and Jaces, he's not going to... You know, he's not going to go through your dollar binders because he doesn't want that. Mm-hmm. The casual customer, you know, the guy who comes in and plays Commander and, you know, little Josh who just wants to have a good time. That's the one who's going to go, you know, go through your binders and be like, oh, this is a cool card. That's a dollar. I want that. Yeah. and you know, Yeah, that'll go great. My casual warrior deck or something. Exactly. Exactly. You know, 
Yeah, so the trick is really to make the shop really welcoming to those guys to play. Like, make it the the place for casual players to play. Make them really happy to come to you. We've got we've got a lot of guys at Canton Games who are very good Magic players. You know, they play in they play in Pro Tours and so forth. Hmm. Um, One of our regulars, you know, he was super proud. He hit top eight in one of the Star City Invitationals. Um. He did awesome. That's pretty good. Most important, though, is the attitude that these good players are bringing to your tournament. Mm-hmm. If they're the guy who sits down and all they want to do is win the game, and they're not, you know, nobody's going to have fun at the end. That's going to turn off your casual player. You know. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll tell you right now, Jorge, one of our good guys, he is always going to beat little Josh when they play a game. But at the end of the game, both of them will have had fun. And that's why Josh keeps coming back. Yep. And that's the big thing, you know. I stopped playing Magic heavily because I didn't like the pro player mentality. And it's very cutthroat. It it really is, and it stops being fun at that point. You know, it's it turns it it turns magic into a job. And this was for me, this was like masks block constructed was the last time I played anything, uh, anything that could be considered professional. That's a good time to stop too. Yep. That was a fun set. Oh, I wish I still had my Rashad and Ports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of cards that I wish I still had. Oh, back in the day, man. Back when this was a good deal, I sold all of my dual lands for 20 bucks a pop. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I know what that's like. Yep. And you think back and you're like, oh, man, why? It sounded yeah, good at the I time. I at a uh, $400 uh, <clears throat> underground C in my case. I'm like, ah, oh, what a dumbass I was as a kid. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, Magic is definitely one of the weirdest games I've seen with regards to like price fluctuations and just the fact that you can think back, oh man, 10 years ago, I had, all, I had all of these cards in my collection and I traded them and you know continued playing the game and then the prices have ballooned to four times, five times what they were that back then or higher too in some cases. I keep a an old copy of Inquest at the store. I started love pulling that out from time to time and just showing Magic players, look, you can get a beta Black Lotus for $300. Nice. That's a yeah. good deal. <laughs> At the time, I'm sure that was a great deal. <laughs> Tell me your worst customer story. Like, what's the... So, worst is kind of generic, you know? Anybody who's worked retail has had that guy who just wants to come in and scream at you for, for absolutely no fault of your own. And that guy just, you know, I can brush him off all day. Mm-hmm. I don't... I don't get upset when somebody just wants to come in and yell at you because you're behind the counter. The guy who gets who upsets me is the guy who's going to come in and you know talk to me for you know two hours and have a nice conversation about games, mm-hmm. and then I finally talk him into a copy of say Betrayal at House on the Hill. Mm-hmm. He goes, "Okay, well, I found it on this website for uh, for five bucks cheaper, so I'm going to buy it there and then walk uh, out." That, that's the dude that absolutely pisses me off. How often does that happen? And somebody like price checks you basically on their phone. You know, most people are subtle about it because they know they're, you know, they know they're being the jerk about it. Mm. So, but I, I catch people, you know, once or twice a month doing that. Um, what I've done recently, absolutely the case was awesome. And their, you know, their staff was friendly and they knew all about the games. They he used to hang in there all the time to check out games that he'd go and buy online cheaper. And, mm. I took that comic and I pasted it on the uh, under my POS terminal. 
Mm-hmm. So every person who comes in reads that, and you know, usually the guy who's going to go online will either guilt trip himself into actually buying it <laughs> at the local game store, or you tell right away who's going to be the awesome customer, and they're going to be like, "Oh yeah, I, I understand. I don't know why people do that." And then they'll pick up, you know, they'll pick up games and they'll come back on open game night. Yeah, the guilt works pretty well. <laughs> Especially I when they say, know it's like this is a little bit of a scummy thing to do to come into a store and be like, oh, I'm going to look at the game and feel the game and yeah. maybe test try the game and then go somewhere else. I, I was telling that to somebody uh, talking about it yesterday, and I think we mentioned it earlier. What you're paying for at a game store is not the actual game, but it's the experience. And it's you sitting down and talking to a human being who knows about the games. And, you know, I, you can talk to him and say, you know, I play this game, that game, that game. And he'll be able to figure out, you know, this one just came out. You're going to like this a lot. And, you know, that's the experience that we're selling, not so much the product. Mm-hmm. So what I said to the, you know, just the buddy in the shop the other day is when somebody comes in and they, you know, they talk to you about all this stuff and then they go online and buy it somewhere else. You're essentially stealing from that store because you know you're coming in and you're getting all the good parts of a game store without you know without actually paying for the without paying for the product. You know, yeah, I'm stealing time for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's myself. On <laughs> one second, please. Sure. That was Bananagrams calling me. Nice. That was a good ringtone too. Yeah, I'm at the. On that point, I was wondering if is there are there any other game stores in your city other than the one that came and went, to um, like actively compete with like Magic or anything like that. Well, I will tell you that I'll, not the owner of that store, but the employees that were working there, mm-hmm. they opened up another store. I'm pretty much around this corner from me. Okay, and we're on super good terms. You know, we send customers back and forth to each other all the time, and. You know, that's a Gorilla King Comics, and they're mostly a comic book store, but they carry magic and they carry, a, you know, a couple game, board games that should be at a comic book store. But, you know, we we get along real good. We send each other players back and forth, our customers all the time. Um, there's been a few times that, you know, he's needed some, you know, some comic book that just came out and Diamond shorted him and he's come by and picked up a couple of them. And I've done the same at his shop. And just getting along with each other has made both of our businesses much better. Whereas yeah. if we're sitting there and we're cut, we're cut thrown at each other. We're both only hurting ourselves. Yeah. It's uh, I've heard that before that cooperation is more important than competition in Absolutely. a lot of respects. Even if you are selling the exact same products, yep. it's um, better to be on good terms. Cause then, like you said, you can share inventory to the point where like, okay, so something happened. I'm, you know, yeah. I have a customer who wants this. Can I, and we help each other out, and then you know, usually you get reciprocation. Yep. I there was one week for FNM that I desperate. I just ran out of product. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't thinking, and I sold the booster box that I was going to use for the draft that night. Mm. And Oops. he essentially just lent it to me. He's like, "Here, take this box, and you know, hook hook me up when you get more in." Nice. And that's the kind of relationship you want with every other game store around. Um, I'm there's one other game store that's. You know, I'm going to use the word competition, but you know, they're called games and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're about half an hour drive from me, so we're not like super close. And they are. <laughs> yes, cat. I know. <laughs> My cat is wondering where this other voice is coming from. <laughs> uh, games and stuff. 
you could fit my entire store about four times in their Oakland gaming area. Wow. Um, they're, they're an awesome shop. The main thing though, is that the owner is super, super friendly as a great guy. Um, you know, and he, he'll talk the same as I do about how you want to work with other game stores and not work against them. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's the giant in the area. And if he wanted to, he could just, he could crush all of us, but he doesn't want to. Because the more game stores that are around, the bigger the community is going to be. Yeah, I yeah. built up um, a Netrunner community at my shop. Mm-hmm. And at games and stuff, they didn't really have one. Or didn't have as big a Netrunner group. Then um, <clears throat> the, the, uh, the Netrunner equivalent of the Pro Tour came to town. It's called the Plugged In Tour. And you know, they held it at games and stuff because of you know, all the space they've got. Yeah, makes sense. My whole group went over there. And... <clears throat> So my whole play, the fact that I built the community helped his store out when they ran their big event. And that's, that's true for pretty much every aspect of it. You know, you want to build a community of gamers because, you know, I sell one person a board game. He's going to go home, play it at his friends, and his friends may want to go out and buy that same game. And if his friend lives out in Glen Burnie, he's going to help out games and stuff. Vice versa, somebody learns a game at, at games and stuff, plays it with their friend, their friend wants to buy the game, but lives in Baltimore, they're going to come to me. Yeah. So building a big community is super, super important. Yeah, everybody wins then. Yep, everybody wins, and that's that's the goal. i got to throw one other store out here, mm-hmm. uh, Brewport Games. Um, we did an event a while ago called Store Wars. Okay. And we held qualifiers, and we said, you know, we picked three guys on my from my store, and he picked three guys from his store, and we... Uh, you know, we held the team draft. You know, I sent my guys down there with play mats and t-shirts and we went into his store and, you know, played, played a booster draft, Canton games against Brewport games. That's a cool and idea. It, it was a lot of fun and it built a lot of goodwill and you know, they mopped the floor with us, but that's not, a, <laughs> that's not the point. Yeah. But what matters is, you know, my guys go to Brewport a lot to play in their events and some of their guys have been coming to Canton games to play in my events. And it just building yeah. the community helps everybody. Very and, nice. Yep. Yeah, well, I was just wondering if you've got the. Well, it sounds like you have several options for game stores in yep. your like immediate yep. area. Do you find that ever uh, specifically Magic players that I've seen, but that they'll like really price shop heavily? Like if uh, we had a store in my city that sold Magic cards and. Magic product, and then literally down the street, less than a block away, was a much larger store, but it was more of a warehouse. They didn't have any play space. Mm-hmm. They're still there, but they, uh, yeah, they don't have any tables. They just sold cards at dirt cheap. They just opened a ton of product, and they just they moved a lot. So what players would do is they'd come into the one store that actually had play space, and they'd play in their tournaments. They'd flip through their binders, never buy anything, and then they would walk down the street to buy the cards from the warehousing kind of cool stuff esque business from them. And they come back and this actually uh, was one of the primary reasons that the original store owner, when he shut down, he cited that magic players were the reason he was like, I I don't want to be in the business anymore because of this weird, uh, like no loyalty to a specific game shop. Maybe that was just them. Well, 
it, that's one of the reasons that you know we were talking about earlier. Play where you play, pay where you play. Mm-hmm. You know, buy buy your cards from the shop you're going to play at. Um, I I haven't ever had you know people like going around the corner to uh, the Gorilla King to buy their cards and then coming back here to play the event. Um, you know, I'm sure it happens, and you know, I, I can't sit here and tell you my guys don't buy cards off of uh, off of eBay and off of uh, <coughs> you mm-hmm. know Star City Games. Um, we're spaced out enough that, you know, what you just said isn't as big a deal, mm-hmm. but, you know, I know that, uh, I know that my guys will go somewhere else if they're having some super sale on magic singles or something like that. Um, none, nobody around here is so, you know, so underpriced that it's going to, uh, you know, that's what, what you just said is going to happen. You know, my, my price on a dual land might be 20 bucks different than the uh, price on a dual land at Brewport. And for something a big purchase like that, they're probably going to go over there. But you know, if I'm selling, you know, if I'm selling Hot Plains Walker at seven dollars, and they're selling Hot Plains Walker at five dollars, most people are just going to you know pay the two dollars so they've got the card in their hand and save the time. Yep, and support the store that they're playing in. Yeah, for most of my guys, that's the case. So do you actively try and promote that? Like, do you tell you? Is that a thing that you're? Uh... You're pushing to your customers a message that please support your game store. Say again. Is it a support your game store kind of mentality that you like try and get out there? Be like, yeah, you know, you guys keep us open, so yeah, loyalty is really important to us. And yeah, what a lot what a lot of Magic players don't understand is that when they buy a booster pack, that's how they're getting the place to play. Mm -hmm. You know, showing up to Friday Night Magic, most events only exist to get people in the door to buy a pack of cards or to buy it, buy some sleeves or something like that. Um, <clears throat> and that's how the store is actually staying open. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's something I actually wanted to ask about. You do tournaments, obviously. Mm-hmm. Do you not without getting like super specific, but do uh, taking a cut of the tournaments, like when so, you do a, like okay. a $5 entry or something like that, is it like, okay, so $4 go to prizes, $1 goes to the store, or is it like a complete cut? Everything goes to prizes. Like, what's the structure? It it depends on the event. Mm. Um, I, I mentioned on this earlier that you know everything has to be based around making money. So on Friday Night Magic, instead of holding standard tournaments, I hold booster drafts. Okay, and it's it's fifteen dollars to get in, and a pack and a half per player goes goes to the uh, prize pool. Pretty and standard, yeah. that is essentially me selling five packs or four and a half packs. You know, it's at a slight discount, but it gets enough people in the door that, you know, that that discount is not as relevant. But in, you know, in my books, what I've done is I've just sold four and a half booster packs mm-hmm. as opposed to running a tournament. Um, <clears throat> and that way, you know, it's not that I'm taking a cut of it, but I'm making sure that I make money every time I hold an event. Now, on on Sundays, we hold Commander. Okay. Okay. What we do for Commander is it's a five dollar entry fee, but when you when you buy in, you get a five dollar uh, gift card. We use dice, you know, unique dice that are worth five dollars a game games, cool. and we pair people up into uh, multiplayer pods. And whenever you knock somebody out of the Commander event, you take their five dollar coupon. That's your prize. Hmm. So it's a lot of fun. Um, that's something that you know on paper I just break even on it. Yeah, because I'm paying five dollars and I'm paying out five, 
but it's five dollars in store credit that will immediately be turned around and spent in the store. Yeah, it's or a cash payout. Exactly. It's they're saving up, or they'll save up a couple for a couple weeks, and then buy a copy of Settlers. Yeah. And the other thing, and th- this is very important for any uh, anyone who wants to be a store owner, mm. it trains my customers that to expect to spend money when they walk in the door. Hmm. You know, it's that sounds like a super greedy thing to say, but <laughs> that's what gets that, that's what will keep you open is when your people come in and they you know, they don't expect to just sit down and play for free. There's you know, I actively don't want the shark in my store who's going to come in and win an event and go infinite and never have to spend money in the store again. That that guy I don't want. Yeah, he's not going to he's not going to help keep the doors open. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> without mentioning the guy's name, you know, when when I first took over as owner, he would come in all the time and tell me about these great deals that the old owner used to give him. Mm. And you know, I'd look him in the face and like, there's no way that that we would be selling you that product at that low, or you know, that's just going to send us out of business. This is also the same guy who told me that you know, if you should be paying a seventy five percent of uh, Star City Games because then you'll get more you know, more customers like me in your door, more of the professional players. I said, yeah, I'll be getting more guys in that are going to be costing me more money. Yeah. And making making it less fun for the other customers to come in and play. Just what you want. Yep. I want, uh, you know, I, wouldn't, I would be totally fine if my whole store was full of little Joshes. You know, 10-year-old kids who are super excited to, to get, you know, open up any card. He... He opened up a uh, Planeswalker once, and he just lost his mind. <laughs> and it was awesome to watch. <laughs> you know, you and me, we've been playing forever. We'll open up, you know, we'll open up a Sarn, and we'll be like, sweet, got a Sarn, and then drop it in the binder. Yeah, like, oh, Josh, great value. Yeah. <laughs> Josh was back there doing backflips, and, you know. No, that's, yeah, that's uh, very nice. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. So is that your favorite customer story? Or do you have anything else that uh, tops a little boy doing backflips? He's, you know, he's the one that I could point out and say by name. Um, my favorite generic customer, though, is just the guy who is happy to be in a game store. The one who, you know, the one who likes the friendly local game store and wants to come in and talk to me about games. Um, I've got lots, you know, my Saturday board game group is full of guys like that who are just happy to come in and they're going to play games here every week. And then when they want a game, They'll tell me, and I'll you know I'll make sure I set one aside for them mm-hmm. when it comes in. You know, that's without putting a, a specific face and name on it. That's my favorite customer. But if I've got to pick one out, you know, Josh is awesome. Gotcha. The one who's uh, coming yeah, just to have a good time with the friends. Yep. Enjoy exactly. a day playing games. So I guess uh, we'll start rolling out. Uh, one final question is. Uh, if you went back in time to do everything over again, so it's like, you know, a little over two years ago and you had the option to set up shop or buy the shop in this case or whatever the deal is, would you do it differently? Or is there something you would change about uh, Canton Games? I'll tell you, my specific uh, instance, um, I kind of did get that chance. You know, because when I started working for them, um, there was a lot of product on the sto- on the shelves. And, you know, it was an established game store, and I could, I could work there as the assistant manager for a couple of years and figured out what sold, what what sold, what didn't sell, and what made money, what didn't make money. 
So when I actually took over as owner, um, I declined to buy a lot of the inventory, like the Games Workshop stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't I didn't see it making that much money, so I toned down on that. Um, some of the action figures and comic book merchandise, I decided to lay off on those and not, you know, it trained me as to what's going to keep the doors open mm-hmm. and what's just going to look cool when somebody walks in the door. Shelf candy. So, yeah, exactly. So I got, you know, that was a big bonus for me. And that's something else I would tell anybody who wants to start their own store, work in one first. Don't just, don't, don't just like, Open up a shop one day, and think you're gonna think you're gonna be able to uh, you know know everything. Work in one for a year, two years, and you know know the product and know what product is going to make you money and what's mm. just gonna sit on the shelf. That's good advice. Get in the business first before. Yep. Really trying to take yeah. the business get, yourself. Get your feet right, you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My other ringtone. <laughs> There's another good one. You know, let me know where uh, the listeners can find your business. So, where you're located, if they want to come visit you, your actual retail store or your website, your Facebook. Sure. Yeah, we're uh, CantonGames.com. Canton Games on Facebook. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we're located in Baltimore. We're 2101 Essex Street. We're kind of an odd, uh, odd space, but you can Google us. You'll find us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, corner of Fleet and Essex in Baltimore, Maryland. We're not far from uh, we're not far from the Inner Harbor. We're not far from uh, Fells Point and all the hot spots. Plenty of bars within walking distance. So, <laughs> yeah, come check us out. Uh, my email, if anybody wants to uh, ask me questions specifically, legendan at cantongames.com. Feel free to hit me up. Great. Well, thanks a lot for coming on. My pleasure. I really appreciate it. Uh, is there anything else you want to? leave before you go any uh comments um you know the one big thing that i the one thing that i will hammer into anybody who wants to start you know a game store or really any other business in the world and i've said this a bunch of times to the point where people are getting sick of hearing it but everything you do has to make you money and if it's not making you money then what you have is not a store you've got a hobby Mm. and you can have your hobby in somebody else's game store, you know? That's free. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, yeah. thank you. Talk to you later. So long. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dan. If you're looking for more about game store entrepreneurship and the magic community, check out com. Home of the Maniverse podcast, this is where we talk about tips and tactics you can use to grow your local community and your business. From there, you can find out more about com and sign up to get early access as a beta tester. We're currently looking for game store owners and magic players to help work out the kinks and give some honest feedback about what we see as the best tool to take magic into the future. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the Maniverse podcast on iTunes and leave a review. Sharing this episode is also a great way to help the show. Every reviewer will get a shout out on an upcoming episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.